All right. Welcome back. You know, in today's discussion, I have got two special guests with me. Ollie, of course, completing our conversation that we've been uh, having about the four pillars to having a next level business, but also talking about, uh, in particular, the phone funnel framework, which was pillar number three, correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm getting it. Uh, Someday I'll have a next level business. So today, though, I've got not only Ollie, I also have Trent, who's my brother and my business partner at Fix Your Funnel. And Trent and Ollie have had some pretty good discussions in private about what Ollie has as the phone funnel framework and Trent calls the autopilot appointment, autopilot appointment funnel. Just rolls off my tongue. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what we're going to be doing during this discussion and why this is going to be so important is we've got the two masterminds architects of these really incredible sales frameworks and they're going to be talking about similarities and differences in terms of their approaches and kind of the reasons why they do the different things they do in each of these frameworks so with that ollie why don't we have you start uh, talking about where we kind of left off but a little more nitty-gritty on the flow of that funnel and then um trent you know you can be interjecting here as you know there's a point where things are similar or different that way we can kind of get a good fleshed out picture for folks about, you know, the principles that kind of guide both of these, these applications. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I, we did touch on very briefly was the reason why this works so well. And yeah. regardless of whether you're, you're adopting the, the phone funnel framework or the differences or, similarities of the automated appointment funnel, both of which are using similar mechanisms. But the overriding reason why they work so well is because the behavior of the the people that are going through that process, it, it really capitalizes on their moments in their intent as they move through the funnel. And given the fact that we're delivering the messages to them in in such a convenient way to the device that's in their pockets, knowing that they're also discovering us on that same device. We're really allowed to to use that as a way to continue the conversation with them in a way that is, is done in a very human way with both automated messages and also probably what we'll move on to here is how when those automated messages actually tend to dry up, um, how that they can kind of evoke a, a reaction or a response back into our team that then can start developing those conversations. So I think what I'm saying here is, is that there's lots of reasons why this works really well, but one of the superpowers of this is actually getting to the conversation with people a lot sooner and quicker than you would perhaps with other mediums and modalities, which then allows you to develop those conversations in a convenient way to then ultimately have that sales conversation and it it is quite a natural flow that then leads into a a human interaction even for those people that for those people that actually fall out of the most critical path of the funnel and of course all of this starts with them seeing a facebook ad and then leading them through to watching the video and then them going through and scheduling an appointment but now now you make a really good point that i want to interject on this because i think it's important for people to really grasp this concept which is at the center of it 
is this this idea that sales is the most critical part of your business. I think you gave a number range, Ollie, but I think you said like even up to like five million annual recurring re- or annual revenue. That like that's a that's a range at which sales has got to be a fundamental part of the business growth. And for many businesses, you know, they kind of will sometimes try to avoid sales because it can be a, a difficult to do, but this framework facilitates that makes it easier to do. And so that that's an important concept is just this concept that sales is critical in, in a small business, especially at the early stages. And, and you do to avoid that can actually deter you from having the success you, you could otherwise have. Trent. Something, yeah, something that I hear a lot when I talk to small business owners um, I, I still, Ryan and I both do this. We still have conversations frequently with customers that use our software and some of them are not having success. And so we want to find out well, what's going on. Why are they not having success with software? Whereas, you know, hundreds or thousands of others are having the same success, success with the same software and the same strategies we're teaching. And it usually comes down to um, the businesses that are struggling are usually exactly what Ryan's describing. They're ones that are afraid to have a sales team or sales conversation. They've been sold on the idea that, Oh no, I want to automate my business. And so, you know, that's, that's something I think is great. Automation is something that's powerful and it's made our business. So we have more autonomy and more growth. However, we didn't get to automation stage one. Stage one is you have to have a really good sales process that you can automate after it's been refined and proven. And even still, you're going to have salespeople involved in that process. If you want to continue to grow at a quick rate and have more autonomy in your business. So that's something that I learned early on in my business is that. When I was first getting into to starting my own business, I was in the mortgage and real estate. And if I didn't make sales, I wasn't making money. So I had to focus all my time, energy, and effort on sales, not on processing paperwork or doing those type, types of things. I now think all fo- businesses that grow, it's required. I think it's, I think it's folks um, will listen to what you guys get into in terms of the, the nitty-gritty of these processes. What they're going to discover is that whole concept of sales happen in conversations. And what we're trying to do with automation is really remove all the inconsistencies that humans bring to the table because we do bring a lot of inconsistencies. Let software automation stuff kind of fill in that gap or, or kind of buttress our inability to do that as humans on a regular basis. But don't extract out of the process the humanity. And that's where I see a lot of people mm-hmm. making the mistake. And so they avoid these sales conversations because they're trying to extract all the humanity and they don't realize they're doing that. They're just doing it. And so that's a real great part of the fun film framework. Like uh, Ollie was saying, or, or the automated autopilot appointment funnel is that what it does is it helps make this slippery slope for people to have the real quick path to getting what they want, which is why it works so well. But at the same time, it preserves your ability to leverage automation to reignite those conversations if they somehow get interrupted or they grow dim in the initial moment, which is, I think, the, the big advantage of both of these approaches over some of the other more popular approaches that you'll hear about on the Internet for you know, initiating a sales conversation is that with the cell phone number, we've got this ability to reengage if the initial engagement, as smooth as it is, if they somehow fall out of that, we can re-engage them in a way reliably that we can't with a lot of other approaches. They're extremely popular, probably because they're bright and shiny, not necessarily because they're as effective as they could be. 
So, yeah, one of the one of the, I was going to say one of the yeah, things yeah. that I, I I can definitely add to that is that the first time that we we started implementing uh, the phone funnel framework and, and using mobile marketing in general across the the front end the core funnels that we were using in different businesses we were actually doing it very differently to the way that we do it today. The very fact that, that we were just using it, first of all, gave us a competitive advantage, even though we weren't using it right. We haven't really honed or developed it or got it to a point where it is now, where it's predictable and consistent and to a point where it's very dependable. It's a very dependable way of us acquiring leads and turning them into qualified sales appointments. Okay, you're going to make a point. I want you to make that point, but why don't we go down that journey? I think that'll be the most natural place is go through the evolution for both of you in, in developing this framework. Because we gave them the basic, you, you know, if you're listening, you know, the basic flow is Facebook ad, lead ad to capture information, push them through a text message to a, a video on a web page. Okay, that's the basic structure of it. Obviously, then we're also the next, you know, the final few yards is getting them to set an appointment to talk to a member of our team. But the evolution of this is where a lot of people will get hung up because that concept right there, that's pretty easy. Anybody can go implement that, you know, to some degree. But the nuances in what you learn as you guys went through the evolution of this. So, Ollie, since you were just talking, why don't you go ahead and finish that and then train, talk about the evolution of the process for you. Okay, you know you got to have a Facebook ad. You're not, you know you're going to do a lead ad. You know the questions you're going to ask. First, you know, full name, email, phone number, and may we send you the video immediately via text message? Yes, no. Um, okay, we push them to a video. Boom. Okay, that all seems pretty simple. What was the evolution for you, and how is it different from maybe that just kind of face value Thing. And if you had that other point you want to make, go ahead and make that too. Yeah. So for me, when when we knew we could capitalize on on lead ads in, in the way that we that we know we can today, we first of all took an asset that we'd already got that was already working for us. So we already had an automated webinar that okay. was about was about 90 minutes there or thereabouts in length. And simply put, and I would just, this is a little bit of advice for anybody listening to this, by the way, is if all you did was do what I just am about to tell you that I did as my first step, that's a good first step. Because some people procrastinate, they deliberate, and they protract the process of actually getting the work done to figure out to, to get enough data to understand what you should pivot and change on to, to make something better to iterate on. And um, yeah, I see let's, that all- let's go into that more too. And as you get along, here, yeah. because that's a really important point that some people struggle with. Yeah. So I think the key, the key thing here, so is you had a 90 minute video. Out. Yeah. We had a 90 minute video that was already working as an automated webinar that we were throwing in everybody from mobile and desktop and we were seeing decreasing results for some of the reasons that we spoke about on the last podcast you should definitely go back and listen into that um, specifically about that if you're interested in that and what we did we took that asset and we simply put it onto a landing page we ran the front end of the of the funnel in the way that you've described with the lead ads with the text messages with the can we instantly text you a link to the video and we drove people directly to that video and of course that meant that then we got people to that video but what we what we noticed was uh, a number of different things first of all we were very surprised by how many people actually said that they would like us to instantly text them a link to the video although it would 
be, you know, not necessarily defy conventional wisdom and popular belief, the fact that they're already on a mobile phone anyway, because we're targeting the ads purely to people on a mobile device. But we were just very surprised that people were very willing to actually get that value that they're requesting uh, sooner and quicker and faster. Of course, it makes a lot more sense when you aggregate a lot more data and understand the psychology behind all this stuff. But our first attempt was to just get people to this video, and of which a lot of people said, yes, text me a link to the video. But then we, we, we got to a bit of a stumbling block with that because, of course, so many people would not watch the video, wouldn't watch the video in its entirety because it was like 90 minutes in length before we actually made a call to action. Mm-hmm. And um, that was our, our, our first part of this. The first evolution was we got lots of leads at a, at a much lower lead cost than we were getting previously. Plus, we were getting the additional contact information of a phone number, specifically mobile phone number, that we weren't getting before when we were doing what we were doing previously. And we were getting a lot more attention on the video because people wanted for us to text it to them from the get-go. So there were some were, bits of that that were really good. And some were you getting new really sales? Bad. Um, we were getting some appointment, but in terms okay. of how we... So appointment made, was the call to action. You got some appointments, but you knew it wasn't where it could be. Yeah. And, and actually, then what we did, so that was the kind of first step. Low lead cost, good contact information, poor okay. consumption. Now, now, I just want to clarify this because you're glazing over it because it's like you, you know it so well, it doesn't, you know, isn't even a thought. But right here... What did you do with those leaves? If they didn't set an appointment, you just ignored them, right? You're just like, oh, this isn't working because people aren't setting appointments, correct? Yeah, just right from the first time we did this, yes. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I, I assume too much. I'll... Yeah, no, you, we, no, actually, that, that's the thing. That you I did call mention. the leaves, right? Right, right, yes. <laughs> okay. well, but but here's, here's the thing is that th- this is one of the reasons why I just wanted to pre- preface what I said about the implementation of this from the get-go if all you did was take an existing asset put it onto a page and did things in the way that are described through both mine and Trent's way of doing this then you are going to get some results you are going to get some data and more importantly you're capturing the right information to enable you to do follow up afterwards whether you decide to do it or not I would advise that you do actually we very quickly pivoted towards changing what we were doing on the page because we we learn very quickly and that's the beauty of running traffic online these days is that traffic really isn't a problem to get like you can buy a lot of media that's not hard and so when you see what's happening when you see the data you can make decisions on that very quickly to to evolve it and and make it better much faster and sooner than you could ever time in at any other time in the past so, so how, how long how many leads or how long did you let it run before you realized oh something needs to change so we have two stages of testing, which I think you asked me to go into nitty gritty. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll mention this quickly is we have what's called an incubation period with running Facebook ads. Uh, we have a four day incubation period where we don't touch any of the creative that we we put in. We don't adjust any budget. We don't turn the ad sets off. We don't change anything. We run everything for four days as an incubation period. After that four days, we then turn off things that are obviously not working. 
and continue to run things that are working, we then do a, a, some budget optimization on those that are working, and then we run it for a further 10 days. So in total, there's been 14 days of testing from the first time that we, we started a new campaign to evaluating the results. Because the reason why it's 14 days, and this twists some people's minds up, is because it can sometimes take that long for people to filter all the way through your funnel from beginning to end. Just because something's not working in the first few days doesn't mean that somebody's not going to convert into an appointment and then ultimately a sale very quickly. So even 14 days for some funnels can still be quite short, depending upon the, the lead to schedule call time. But that, that's our process for testing. Four-day incubation period followed by another 10 days. Now, of, um, I'm going to ask you to do something very difficult for entrepreneurs. I'm going to ask you to pause for a moment. And I'm going to ask Trent now to tell us about his initiation because your your start was a little bit different from Ollie's because initially you weren't actually sending people to a video, were you, Trent? We were, but not in the same way we evolved into. So initially what we did is the same thing, Facebook lead ad, asking for permission text, but we did it wrong the first way, first time. First time we did it, we said, can we send you a text? And that was like outright just asking him, can we text you? And of course, most people said no. I think it was about 50% said yes, about half. Um, maybe it was a little bit below half. But we changed that over the first couple of uh, ads that we ran. We just tested out like five different uh, lead ad forms with different questions. And the one that ended up being the best was, um, and we, even, we didn't actually talk about a video in the ad itself, but in the form itself, we said, would you like to receive the video immediately by text? And so we, we didn't even have any reference to a video before that, but just by asking that question, and they were interested in the ad that we'd ran, they said yes about 80, 85% of the time. So just by changing the question to saying, would you like to receive the video immediately? Oh, and by the way, by text, you know, that's just kind of the, the opt-in that we're getting. We're getting permission to text them. You're not so saying you ask for okay, compliant. You're kind of, you're, you didn't really say, by the way, but you're just emphasizing. I know. The, I'm the, just the, saying that. I'm emphasizing that's, that was the goal we had was to get permission to text them. But we focused on the two benefits of, get this video and get it immediately. And so that helps our conversion go from about 45 to 50% up to 80, 85%. Okay, John, I'm going to have you go you know, into the rest of your process, but real quick, Ollie, did you experiment with the question or did you kind of start off on the right foot? I can't remember where you started in terms of your question on asking for permission. Well, it was, it was, it was actually, and this is the benefit of having such a close-knit community is certainly, you know, we're very aligned and spend a lot of time with each other. And yeah. uh, Trent, Trent was actually sharing with me at that time that evolution of what they were going through and what they were finding. Oh, very cool. So you got so to start. Modeled, yeah, so I modeled exactly like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Well, yeah. I'm doing I'm doing this thing with the video. And of course, that makes sense to for me to just start with that question right from because you've already proven that to, yeah. to, to work better for you. And see, and that's a good, a good lesson too for folks is try and get to the source of why you do the thing the way you do. So Ollie didn't just say, oh, Trent, you're doing that and that works good, great. Trent had shared the, actual, that. the data and Ollie said, okay, so the why? data, and I understand why you got to that evolution. Now I'm going to use that. And that's a, that's a really important distinction. It may seem very small, but I see so many people doing what they see somebody else do you know, a guru or whatever, and they don't even know the data behind it. They don't know, well, why is, why are they doing it that way? Is that the final test or is that one of the tests? And so you need to know that data before you go ahead and start modeling something that you're like, oh, that's working. Yeah. 
you know, why that's working. I'm going to go ahead and model that. Now, you don't always need to understand everything, but you know, when you can, it's really important. Okay, Trent, so you got that question down. What did you send people to initially when you, when you did text? So initially, we started out by using uh, a webinar that was automated at noon and 7 p.m., so we kind of pushed them to say, okay, here's the next webinar. Go here at noon or at 7 p.m. So we did that for a couple of weeks. But immediately, as soon as the lead came in, we had an outsourced sales team of six people counting the phone. So they'd call them 10 times in the first five days, just counting the phone. And what we found out was that people that were answering the phone were like, well, who is this? What's this about? Because it was too soon. We were just jumping in. Like I came from the mortgage industry where if you get a new lead, a mortgage lead, you jump on it right away. You call within five minutes, within 30 minutes, within three hours. Three touches in the th- first three hours. Otherwise, someone else is going to get them. So I went with that mentality of let's just pound the phones. And it didn't work out quite so well because people got turned off that we called them and started asking questions like, I don't know who you are. Why are you calling me? And so I, it was very interesting because I assumed they knew that they opted in. <laughs> you know, I think that this, uh, I think I remember us having a conversation about this too at that time. And I think I, it was, I, no, I must have written it. I wrote the paper after because we used data from. Uh, death of the Avenue webinar. Yeah, but I, that was a thought that we were going through and we had been discussing. So I remember at that point, you and I discussed, look at, I don't know if the, the, the scheduled webinar is the thing to do. I know everybody's doing the automated webinar. And I know all you, you we've kind of talked about this before, but you know, it, that was the thing bouncing on in my mind at that time was like, hey, we're in the Netflix generation, you know, in terms of people Instantly, don't wait. Yeah scheduled stuff for the most part if they do they'll sometimes wait longer and then binge because they want to do it on their terms their time and so that's kind of the the new reality that people have i think we shouldn't do the scheduled trend i think we should try and send people directly to it so at that point i think you had said yeah i think that's good that we do have a webinar let's send them to it and then you send them to a, a webinar that you guys had been doing that had been producing results and i think that's an important thing that ollie is saying here too he had an asset that he had developed that was was producing results just the results were diminishing optimal. the methodology of getting people to it right yeah so that's yeah that's exactly the point we, we we noticed that making them wait was not really converting at the level we expected and so we did that test of let's just send them to a web page with this 45 minute sales video and call it call it a replay of a webinar and see if that improves our conversion and instantly we saw our conversion go up and that so was the schedule point but that was still pounding the phones, wasn't it? You hadn't introduced the... They were set- at the same time. They were at the okay. same time. The phones, they weren't making really that many sales. We were making more sales by one guy with appointments than all six of them pounding the phones. So we pretty soon realized this isn't working. So after about a month of doing that, we basically, I think it may have been meant two months of doing the, the phone calls. We said, hey, just hold off on the phone calls. We're going to test something without doing outbound phone calls. Okay, and there's another principle point, there. I'm not going to call it every yeah. principle... Another important principle, which is when you, you've established a status quo, you maintain the status quo until you've verified that the new approach is going to, to replace it. So some people will get excited about the phone funnel framework or the autopilot appointment funnel. And they're like, okay, I'm doing that. And they drop everything else they're they doing everything. <laughs> to jump into that. Yeah. Ollie, would you advise against doing that? Or do you think that that's still good because the, the data is so good on the phone funnel framework? Well, I, I think for me is... Is, is you need to make, in, well, first of all, wherever you're getting your information from needs to be substantiated with data and, and testing. And, you know, some people can't always compare my version 17 to their version one. And, yeah. 
you know, although the psychology is uh, is proven, tried and tested to work here, you know, clearly the messaging can't go awry when it comes to your market. So, you know, we're talking about the component parts and elements of the reasons why, regardless of whichever framework you use, why this works so well. But actually, we're providing a canvas for, and a sandbox for people to play in. And in, in, in doing so, you can't ever then forget that you need to be uh, still have you know, a, a strong message and, and still do the right things in the right order to get the best results. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really important because with us, we definitely made small increments to to what we were doing. I know that the next step that we took actually meant that we actually had too many appointments. So we actually took a step to a point where we changed the the, the asset, the, the main video, to more of a video sales letter format that perhaps was more influential, perhaps had more persuasion, and you know got people to the point where there was a call to action sooner. But when we actually... Okay. Okay, so you know, and that's a different problem. Okay, so that's good. This is a a concept too that I want people to understand that you guys are employing here because it doesn't have a name for most people. But what I identified them as is accelerators and filters. So initially, you identified that your ninety-minute video was actually a filter, but not in the way you wanted it to be. And so you said, okay, that is it's slowing the progress down too far i want to accelerate it slightly so you modified your video type to be this video sales letter which was how long initially 25 minutes okay so you went from a 90 minute video to 25 minute which really was a condensed version probably of your 90 minute webinar so where people didn't have an appointment you're going oh wait people don't have an appointment I'm interrupting them i'm getting them through the, on this slippery slope but i don't necessarily have 90 minutes of their time and attention so i'm losing them so i'm gonna i'm gonna make this condensed and more powerful so it'll be act as an accelerator and so when you guys go through the process of implementing your own version of these these uh, sales processes what you have to be aware of are these concepts of accelerators and filters and you got to know where to put each one so you created an accelerator that was actually too good so what was your next step? And Trent, be thinking about this as you're, as you're waiting, Trent. You know, what were your accelerators and filters that you guys employed through your next phase? Mm-hmm. Dolly, well, so you got this 25-minute video. Suddenly you got appointments up the yin-yang. Now what do you do? Yeah, so now really it was a, a case. And, of course, just for, to qualify, the number of appointments – didn't mean that our close ratio on the appointments that we were getting continued to stay the same as they were before. The conversion ratio went down. Why did it go down? Was because of the fact that the quality of the people that were scheduling the appointments was down. So if everything would have stayed constant, and this is something important to acknowledge, that the close ratio on the appointments stayed the same, which at the time was about 27%. If it was all always 27% and we just got more appointments, fantastic. We would be, you know, wouldn't have you changed. Hired another person. Of course, we would have just kept on hiring more people, setting more appointments and ha- having a, you know, a, a solid 
close ratio. What we noticed when the, the close ratio started to go down and the feedback that we started to have was that these leads were, weren't as good quality. And the reason why they were not as good quality is because we were not actually slowing people down in the process to enable them to consume all of the information before we actually asked them to um, so go ahead and schedule. How soon in a 25-minute video were they getting an opportunity to start schedule? Well, yeah, so we brought it in probably about, I think it was about halfway through, which, you know, is okay to a degree, sure. but there's, there's another mechanism that we put in a little bit later. But what I want to what I want to talk about here is the concept of using something called a primer video. And again, this was through some collaboration with Trent when we were talking about this. We put in a step that they went to before they got to what we call the main event video. So we put this bridge page in there from when they got the text message delivered to them and they clicked that text message. The first thing that they went to was called a primer video. And that primer video was only about two minutes in length. But what it did was it set up what it was that they were just about to watch. So it actually slowed them down. It resold them on why that they'd requested the information in the first place. It was a face-to-camera video, so it injected some personality and a bit of no like, and trust elements in there as well. And it pre-framed the video and that it was going to be 25 minutes in length and that they should listen to it all the way to the end of the video. And we explained in that video what it was that they were going to discover as, as, as part of it and then gave them a call to action to just click the button below to get to it. So that step alone meant that we naturally lost some people that would have just clicked to the main event video without going to that and just clicked away again because they didn't consume it. And it stopped people just going to the main event video and clicking the button to just go and schedule an appointment only five or 10 minutes in to the video to go and schedule an appointment. And so there's, there's some factors there that help for sure. So, so this primer video then becomes a filter that essentially makes sure that only the people that should be going to the next stage go to the next stage, but also at the same time acts as an accelerator for those who are actually our ideal client because they are going to go, oh, yeah, that is for me. That is what I'm looking for. Whereas those that it, w- it wouldn't be for, they can clarify that and go, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's not for me. I misunderstood. I'm not going to spend the next you know, X number of minutes going through the main event. So Trent, what was, what was your evolution then from sending them to your webinar to where you went next? Well, I have to give credit where credit to actually wasn't my idea. Um, Molly and I talked about it, but it was my business partner in that business. Um, he's like, hey, maybe we should do like a short video because once we switch from the scheduled webinar to the watch the video immediately, we did see kind of a drop off and like, like Ollie said, in conversion because of actually sales. So the quality of lead wasn't as good. He's like, let's, let's resell them on why they should watch the video. So he, he's the one that created this two minute. He did like a whiteboard explainer. We call it the explainer video, the webinar explainer. And it basically explains what's in the webinar. And like Ollie said, it resells them on why they should invest the time to watch it to the end. And it gets like the highlights of here's the five benefits you get from doing this and watching this. In our case, we're selling a business opportunity. And so we're telling them why they want to get into this business. Here's the benefits of it. Here's how it works. Here's why it benefits you and the customer and the insurance companies. And so it was really just to get them to be sold on watching the whole thing. Now, 
There was another point that we also saw a drop-off in conversion. And so we did that webinar explainer, and then they'd watch the webinar. In our case, we didn't have a button to schedule. They had to text the word success. And the reason we did that, we had an extra hurdle, is it made it harder for people to just jump into um, an appointment. They had to watch 40 minutes of that 45-minute webinar in order to hear that call to action. The last five minutes, we're, we're reiterating, hey, now text the word success, and we'll schedule a one-on-one call. We'll go over all the details. At this point, we haven't told them the price. We've only sold them on all the benefits, explained how it works, gone into detail. And at the end, we're just trying to get them to schedule an appointment without knowing the price. So there's no, there's no um, filtering there at that point. And we saw that they were getting a lot of people scheduling. As soon as they heard the price, they, they, they jumped off immediately. And so our salespeople were having a lower conversion because people weren't quite ready. So because we were getting appointments at $10 to $15 an appointment, we're like, we can afford to get better quality appointments have less appointments overall, but, or even have more by bumping up our budget so that we don't have to have more salespeople and our conversion and our, our value per, per lead will actually go up. And so what we did is in that process of them texting the word success, they get texted back a link to a page, a schedule, but before they get the scheduling page, there's a video. And that video basically says at the very top, it says watch just before you schedule. And then they watch this um, two minute video and again goes over it's the, the face of my um, business partner talking to them. So again, create that personality connection. They watched the webinar with him in it. And now they're seeing him in this video and he's sitting in his car. This says, Hey, you guys, this isn't for everyone. I know this is a, like a, a game or a life changing business for me and for a lot of people I've helped, but this isn't for everyone. Here's who it's for. And here's who it's not for. So we created a list of things we saw as common themes of people that weren't going to be a good fit. And we basically sold them on not scheduling and sold those that were a good fit on scheduling. And in that point, we actually gave them the price range of the lowest end up to the high end of this business, how to get started in it. And that actually helped us to reduce, again, um, the number of appointments and increase the quality. And that obviously helps the salespeople be more excited. But to be honest, a salesperson that's getting 15 appointments a day, not doing any outbound phone calls, is super excited anyway. But if we can increase the quality of those appointments, instead of going from 1 in 15 to 1 in 20 to close, to now going to 1 in 8, for them, that's like a, a whole new, whole new ball game for them. It makes them more excited to actually do the sales and show up every day. So okay. there was a lot of uh, things that we learned along that process, but it basically was at each stage, we looked at the numbers and what do the numbers tell us based on this number? Okay. We gotta go back here and adjust this to increase the quality. Just like Ollie found that same process worked for him. It's always about looking at the data and seeing what the data tells us and then trying to test something to see if we can affect that outcome to be more favorable for our, our desired outcome. So this is why, really why I wanted both of you guys to be on this, uh, this episode of the podcast, because I think it's really critical for people to get a feel for the play-by-play, so to speak, the blow-by-blow, as you guys are going through this process of getting to what is now a refined framework or you know, uh, concept. And the reason why is because even if you start with the recipe, right, you're going to need to make adjustments. And so understanding how these two went through the process of making adjustments as they were refining what the individual business needs is important. And you'll notice that in this case that Trent's talking about, they're making adjustments based on the feedback they're getting from the prospects and customers. So that's why it's so critical to have conversations is because in conversations, it, your salespeople are going to be the most valuable. And when I say salesperson, last time I also mentioned it could be a customer support rep or it could just be a team member. They don't have to be doing hardcore sales to be called a salesperson in this concept. 
But what they're doing is they're going to be getting all sorts of feedback. And so those people that struggle or have some sort of issue, that feedback is super critical to refining the process. And so you'll notice that Trent said, okay, they were hearing people weren't quite ready or the wrong people were on the phone. And so through discussion, they were able to be able to determine who do we want to filter out and who do we want to accelerate? And so they use this concept of filtering, accelerating in the same device. So it's not like you have to have a separate device for filtering and a separate device for accelerating. You can actually do that in the same thing. So this two-minute pre-appointment setting video did a, a filtering again and a set, you know, an acceleration. Texting the word success to the phone number was a filter because it made it more difficult to do. Not very difficult, obviously, because texting isn't hard, but more difficult than just, you know, clicking on a button and going over to do that. So that shouldn't be done for every business. A lot of these things that Trent's talking about and that Ollie will talk about are just filters or Lego pieces, essentially, that you can mix into your specific funnel when you start applying this general concept. And I think that's really critical for people to understand. The, the, the general concept is clear. Now, which pieces do you need for accelerators and which pieces do you need for filters is going to be determined through like actual experimentation, so to speak, by putting people through a process, seeing what kind of feedback you get, what kind of results you produce, and then knowing that, oh, these are the levers, these are the switches that I can play with in order to fine tune this for my specific business. You explain that much better, Ryan. So you should just, you know, do all the talking going forward. <laughs> you got ones that know the stuff. So Ollie, what was the next phase for you guys? You got this yes. primer video. So once we'd um, once we've got the primer video in there, we then actually did something which was very complicated, and in hindsight, something that I think we introduced into the the process a bit too soon because we'd seen this work with other things that we'd done in the past. I'll explain it in a few moments, and actually, this is a this is what happens when you you go to the extreme of of, of, of actually getting too complicated. So uh, what we did was we, because we use Fixture Funnel and we use Infusionsoft, we're able to use trackable links with the, the link from the text message to the primer video. And then we're able to use trackable links from people that have got to the primer video, but they haven't scheduled, meaning that they may well have gone through and they click through to the main event video, but they haven't yet gone ahead and taken the next milestone in the funnel, which of course is watching the main event video and actually going to schedule. So naturally, we had this setup that we had a sequence of text messages and emails, don't forget, not just text messages, yeah. but also emails as well, that were driving people back to go and watch the uh, main event video. Now, there are only so many ways that you can say to somebody, hey, it's so-and-so from this business. I noticed that you checked out the video. What did you think of the concept? Here's a link to go back and check it out in case you missed it or something like that. There's only so many ways that you can kind of cut that. One of the things that we then started to do was actually measure the consumption of people that were clicking those links to the main event video of how much of the video that they were watching out of the 25 minutes. Now, that was way, 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 way too complicated and actually something that I don't encourage people, albeit from a technology standpoint, you can do. And some people may feel like I've heard of that before and I can understand why you'd want to measure, you know, if they watched, you know, they started watching the video or they watched 25%, 50% or 
well, whatever how much. And it makes it very easy with Fix Your Funnel to do that. But just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. I mean, that's just a rule in business and in life that, sure. that you need to you need to look at this and, and and consider, you know, I've got a team of people that implement this stuff for me. Not everybody has the benefit of that. So we made this elaborate and wildly overcomplicated as that iteration because we thought that we could then conditionally send different messages rather than the, the continual pushes back based upon what they'd watched and what they hadn't watched. And actually to do some level of lead scoring that would then enable us to actually do an outbound call to those people if our conversation starters from the text messages were not necessarily driving back to them texting us back and just just all transparency that was just way too complicated and the whole point of this uh, as we stand today and talk about it is that this is a very simple funnel it is one traffic source one conversion mechanism and one sales mechanism. That is the reason why it fundamentally works so well, especially when you introduce this to people because they can see that they can implement it themselves. They can see the psychology of the reason why it works so well. And in actual fact, it just makes it makes sense in the, the data and the results from us standpoint. And we wouldn't use anything else if we needed to drive people to sales appointments. So that was kind of a mistake of ours that we, we made. And I just wanted to share that with you because I didn't want this to come across as like this whole process was just a bad of roses uh, for us. We, you grow and you learn these things as you make progress. Now, I appreciate that because um, people need to understand that you're going to make some mistakes and don't get discouraged by it. Because I've no, had friends, you know, that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start doing some marketing. And then somebody complains to them or says, why are you sending me this? And then they shut everything down. You're going to make mistakes. You might write the wrong thing. You might say the wrong thing. People might get upset, whatever. All you can do is learn from it and move forward. And I think we talked about that in an earlier conversation. I think our first one we had in this series where you just learn and you move forward. It's just a feedback mechanism. But one of the things that's really important that you said, Ollie, that I want to reemphasize everybody is start simple and only add complexity to the degree that it facilitates the end goal. Right. So if I was getting not enough appointments and I needed to understand why, I might add the video tracking in, not so I can send them a message that they saw my key point, but to signal to my salesperson, call them, find out why they didn't set an appointment. You know, so I might use it more for purely for, you know, research purposes to be able to figure out what's my next move in order to make this thing work. So that's that's an important understanding is yeah. keep it as simple as possible when we, it comes to tracking because there's a lot of track points right there's the i got the lead okay boom i got a track point i've got they i sent them a text i know when i do that they clicked on the link i know when they do that they get to the page do they start watching the video i can know that i can have all these track points but these track points shouldn't necessarily be used to automate communication they should, but they should absolutely be used to be able to learn what's going on so that you can make an informed decision on your next phase of, is there something else? Is there a filter I need to add? Is there a accelerator I need to add? So in your case, you know, if, like you're saying, you just, you did it because you could more than you should, right? 
Yeah, and you've got to be you've got to catch yourself uh, just in business when you find yourself in that situation, especially when it comes to marketing automation. And we talked a little bit about you know over automating some things, and and that th- this was the 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 big thing for me that I I just want to mention as we kind of bring things together here is that. You know, at, at this point, we we made two very key distinctions. The the first was that we wanted to, as as we got more qualified leads, actually making a scheduled scheduling on our scheduler. We use Schedule once, but you can use Appointment Core or anything else that you use. Once they made that schedule, the, the next page that they saw was a page that we didn't have. So the next evolution that we had was after they scheduled, not before, but after they scheduled, we had a questionnaire. And that questionnaire allowed us to further pre-qualify people so that our, our sales team were more pre-armed with the information and the ingredients of exactly how we could actually help these people, exactly what the current situation was that they're in and what is their desired situation and ultimately whether or not the gap between those two things would be our services that we've got to offer. And it also had some very key questions in there that got them to complete, which, you know, either something like, yes, I have the financial resources to invest in the growth of my business or I have access to the financial resources to grow my business or no, I don't have any financial resources. That is a key, what I would classify as a bucket question for disqualification because somebody that says out and out that they have no financial resources to invest in the growth of business and yet in the video that they watched as the precursor to get them to where they are it clearly said the type of people that this was for and also who it was not for then there's an incongruency between that person now there's a possibility that they said that by accident then they put something different on their questionnaire and we give them the opportunity to say hey we received your application and that's the way we frame it by the way so we don't just frame it as a an appointment we actually frame it as an application and when they do that we can then send them a text and say hey good news we got your application but i just wanted to qualify something with you you mentioned this on 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 the questionnaire is that right and it's just a normal yes or no like no actually i don't have any financial resources great we can delete you out of the calendar and give you and point you in the right direction for some other resources that can benefit you just again to qualify people you know that helped that helps a lot the power of the of the survey of the questionnaire too is not only in the answers but in the asking of the question alone because when you ask that question it begins a thought process within the the prospect that they cannot avoid and that's the reason why when you do these surveys and, and questionnaires as part of your accelerators or your filtering you want to be thoughtful about the question it, it's worth spending an hour working on a question because the right question and again, you know, I know that can create people where they do nothing. And I don't want to scare you too much, but I just want you to be thoughtful at least about the question because the question can really make a big difference. I know, Ollie, you're running out of time. If you need to drop off, you, you can because I know you've got family commitments. But I wanted to hear Trent now. Trent, what was, where did you take it from there? Because I feel like these conversations have been really, really powerful for helping people see the evolution of the process. Did you guys end with the two-minute appointment video or have you changed anything since then? 
Um, the only other thing that I would say is a major change for us is that when people texted success, we put them into a campaign um, to follow up with them if they didn't click the link. If they clicked the link but didn't schedule, they get in a different campaign. Well, it's a little bit more, hey, I noticed you uh, went to the scheduling page. Do not find a time that works for you. And we have two or three text messages that go out over the next few days. So we're stopping their progress and any other campaign they're in. And we focus on now the current stage that they're in. So we started adding these different layers because we saw some drop-off. We thought, okay, was this just a drop-off because they don't have the financial resources to invest? Or is it because they couldn't find a time that worked for them and they forgot to come back? And so we added these extra buffers in there just to make sure you're catching the right people. And then sometimes they text back saying, oh, no, this isn't a good fit for me. Great, we just archive that person or their campaign and then move on. Um, and, and, and on top of that, we found out that by following up to them a couple of days later, some people who had texted success had forgot. They got the text back and they just didn't do anything with it. They forgot. Like, oh, no, I forgot to do that. And they'd click the link and schedule. So we were kind of doing this recapture or remarketing through text message. The people who showed interest got to a certain stage in the process but didn't fulfill that, that stage. And so we kept them in that campaign specific to that stage until the next trigger was happening. So where okay. they texted success, clicked the link, clicked the link, didn't schedule. So these triggers are easy to automate but it also feel personal in the follow-up. I think that this is a good place to, to wrap up to is, is talking about texting. I mean, all you mentioned it casually because it's so second nature to you. Trent, you also kind of were pretty casual about this, but this conversation. I'm sorry. Started, no, <laughs> not in a bad way. Just you guys are so used to it that a lot of people may not be aware of what we t- mean when we say conversation starter or how do I create these text messages? Because the natural inclination is to use texting like email. And so that means people are going to try and just, people. they're going to pound it on people, right? And say, hey, yeah. I, didn't get, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Now, what you want to do is you want to be optimistic. This is something I learned, you know, even from our email marketing days, but be optimistic about the reason that they didn't do the action that you were hoping that they would do, which means be optimistic that, you know, something came up, they got interrupted, they forgot, whatever, not that they're not interested. Because for most people, that's actually the case. They got interrupted. Something else came up. They were starting to do it, and then you know someone asked them a question. Those are the most common reasons people don't finish a process that they start, not that they're not interested or not qualified. But if they're taking specific actions, and like Trent said, he reserved it all the way until they said success, which means they saw the ad, they clicked through, they got the text message, they watched the primer video or the whiteboard video, then they watched the longer video 40 minutes in and then saw and texted success. So they're pretty qualified at that point, and that's where we're wanting to try and kind of follow up with the texting. But when we do that, what you want to think about is what do they know at this point or what should we expect that they know and what conversation can I have based on that, that information? So, you know, if someone's clicked on, you know, done the text and clicked to set the appointment, we know that they went through all this other process and then they said, hey, I'm actually interested in having a, a conversation with somebody, but they didn't complete it. So now we have a context. We want to be inviting them to do that, or we want to ask them an open-ended question that would help us to understand why they haven't. And so th- those are two really important concepts to keep in mind as you're going through and thinking about, okay, do I want to follow up with a text message? If I do a text message, how do I do it so I'm not an annoying pest but a welcome guest? And it, the, the best way to do that that I know is to keep in mind the context of what you know about where they are in this process, in this journey, and then give them an opportunity to express 
what it is that might be stopping them or invite them to take that next step in a way that respects where they are in this whole process and what they do know. And, you know, if you can do that, empathy is probably your biggest skill that will help you as you go through these marketing processes and these sales processes is getting into the shoes of that person and really trying to imagine from their perspective. The people that I see that struggle the most don't do that. They only come from their own perspective. Ollie, do you have any closing thoughts before you, you got to drop if you haven't dropped already? Yeah, I think it's worth yeah wrapping things up where we got to there. I think that there's nuances between the things that we do, but fundamentally the reason why they work so well is 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 both the psychology of this stuff and the, the, the technology side that allows us to be able to do this, which I'm every single day extremely thankful and grateful for that we're able to do this in, in the way that we can and, and, and actually do things in a way that it evokes that conversation. And I know we can talk about this again, perhaps in another podcast, but it is mm-hmm. such a huge differentiation um differentiator to the way that a lot of people are doing what they're doing even if you're in a crowded marketplace and you know you're doing the same kind of marketing as other people if you adopt this kind of approach which is a lot higher level it's it doesn't uh, you know put as much pressure on people and it it naturally evolves into a conversation to actually overcome the the challenges fears frustrations that these people have before they engage and ultimately buy from you you're going to be light years ahead of of anybody and quite honestly it's very difficult to compete with somebody that's prepared to take that time and you know allow the the marketing to do all the heavy lifting for you and then come in with the hey does it make sense to have a chat or what questions did you have about this i'm happy to help question mark and i think maybe in the next podcast we can go into that about conversation starters and the different types of conversation starters that there are done deal hitting things as well we'll do it that'll be the next conversation love it thanks ryan thanks for being here trent any closing remarks that you have after, you know from this whole discussion um, Ollie just said it at all. I mean, I don't need to say anything more, but I will, I will say more though. Just one thing. The one thing that I, I recognize in this is that if you come from a place of curiosity, when you're creating for your business, <clears throat> instead of just trying to judge things too soon, it allows you to find solutions that you wouldn't have otherwise found. And so that's something I learned from Ryan early on is when we jump to a conclusion too soon, we shut down the opportunity to create. So one of the things that key in this process of finding out what works for your business and for your funnel is be curious about the data, be curious about the results versus jumping to judgment, asking why is it that way? What would make it different? Versus saying, oh, this doesn't work. Because that's the, the thing that, that, that damns all progress with small business owners is when they come to the conclusion too soon that something doesn't work versus being curious about what could I do different and what, what was the reason this happened this way and how could I affect that differently? So remain in that state of curiosity as you're creating your business. So don't jump to judgment too soon because then you shut off the ability to create more. So that's just something that's a key principle that um, I'm glad that Ryan helped me understand early on because my, my thought is always to let's, let's analyze and judge. Let's analyze and judge versus let's remain curious so we can find more solutions that might possibly be there versus saying, no, I'm going to do this one thing now. and If it doesn't work, then I'm done. That if you guys, hopefully everybody's, I guess if you're listening now, you stayed to the end. <laughs> the people that didn't, didn't get that. that was, that's a, a real gem, Trent. I appreciate you articulating that. 
Well, thanks so much, guys. I really, really appreciate you guys sharing so much. I know a lot of people probably would pay for this kind of information. I'm grateful you guys were able to share it with people who are willing to invest in themselves and listen to this. Fantastic. Okay, so I'll schedule our next one. This has been fantastic. Hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. This was a real treat for me to hear these two great marketers and sales engineers be able to lay out for us some really important stuff. Again, appreciate it so much. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, Ollie, for being on. Thank you for listening. Thank you. This was fantastic.